This is the Business's Mission Podcast. Business's Mission. I'm Gaya Boyd, your host. I came across the very uncomfortable awareness that all of my ideas, my basic understanding of Christianity, of how it operates, of my role in it, were wrong. In this podcast series, we want to discover kingdom keys for business. I'll do that together with Bill Job. Bill is an experienced BAM practitioner. By the way, BAM is short for business as mission. Bill is from the US and lived 30 years in China, where he had handicraft factories. He saw God move tangibly in the workspace. We met at our BAM Congress in the Netherlands. Bill was one of the main speakers and he turned out to be so contagious. His stories made me curious and I wondered, does that only happen far away or can God move as tangibly here, within and through businesses in the Netherlands or at your business in Africa, America or Asia? In this podcast series, I'll interview Bill. At other times, he will be my co-host as we invited guests who are eager to see God move within their own businesses. So listen as we discuss ideas, experiences and challenges. They might be yours as well. If this podcast makes you curious and you want to dig deeper, go to bearmoves.com. There you find a hybrid training and coaching environment, which we are developing. In today's episode, in our search for Kingdom Keys for Business, Bill will be my co-host. We have Ronald De Bruyne as guest. Ronald runs a construction company. He developed a transparent way to set prices for construction projects. Because one of his desires is to build trust with clients. Ronald, uh, you are running a building business. Uh, tell us, what, what is it that you are doing? I'm running a, a business in um, construction. And um, we're doing uh, big projects in renovation. Uh, most of the time for uh, private people. How many people are part of your business? Uh, between, between seven and twelve persons. Yeah, and you have like a, a bit a unique way to run your business, right? It's mainly a team of self-employed. Yeah, yeah that's that's uh, that's what I do. So I have I work with self-employed uh, people from very experienced to less experienced, and uh, I try to build a team of the people uh, and. They work on projects in teams. <laughs> so in couples or with trios or with the four, or sometimes uh, they're on their own, but always try to connect people and, and yeah, to make the project uh, a success. And what I understand is that you have a, a kind of a different way of pricing, you know, the, not so much a, a set price, but you negotiate with your clients. Yeah, but it's, it's a kind of searching for a fair way of pricing it's uh searching for a fair way of pricing to cost for customer but also for myself uh how can i make profit but how can i also make a fair price to to, to the customer uh, my experience in the whole construction business uh, about prices then uh, was not so very positive because there's also a lot of the time there's a, a lack of trust from customer to to the company. Yeah, uh, to, to explain for the listener, there's often a risk involved with big projects 
you, I know for myself, doing this house together mm -hmm. with my husband. My husband is actually also a construction worker. So it's like always unexpected things happening. Surprises. So yeah. you need to have yeah extra profit to or add to the price to kind of make sure. And you are doing that in a much more open way. Yeah, well, now what, what, I, what I try to do is to make, before we started the project, uh, to bring it all uh, into a budget. The most of the time what you see is the construction company makes a budget, uh, they price it, and then at the end of the, <laughs> of the budget, there's, uh, there's one big amount of money. This is the, the amount where we want to do for it. But what I do is I make it open, I break it open. As you see, every post or every uh, kind of labor that has to be done is priced. What I understand is that you have a very kind of transparent way of working with the client and yes. with, um, with the construction and the project. Yes, it's totally transparent. So, uh, yeah, we can, we can also talk about the budget. We can also talk about, oh, this is what this costs. This is what that costs. There are no shady parts in the budget. Uh, and because that's what I see a lot mm -hmm. in construction business, there are a lot of shady parts and is, I don't like shady parts. How is that uh, bill? I mean, you worked in China. I think that there were also some shady ways to do business. And how are you in a, in a business context? How can you, uh, how, how do you respond? How do you, what is, what do you feel? Some of our response comes out of our identity where we say or we believe that the company is uh, stewarded by us, but owned by the Lord. And so when people ask us to do something that is not clear or not above board, we just say, I'm, I'm sorry, but our owner won't let us do that. And this is a very rare situation for us. And I was actually always amazed because I know that corruption was happening pretty much every week in most companies, opportunities for it at least. And we went 30 years without it ever really being much of an issue from time to time, I suppose. But I think the, I, the, the Lord's ownership allowed him or invited him to come and protect his company in a way that he wouldn't have protected mine. <laughs> Can you give an example? Yes. So one day, one of our managers, who wasn't a believer, uh, came and said, boss, we need to take the glue off of the third floor working tables. And I said, why? He said, well, we're going to have a fire inspection. We moved into the building about a year earlier, but it had never been inspected by the fire department. They're going to come this afternoon. And this is one of those areas where they might say, oh, that doesn't look good. And so we need to you know, fine you or something. And really it's an opportunity for corruption to happen, for a bribe to happen. And I asked more specifically, well, are we doing anything wrong? Well, no, not really. Well, is it legal for us to have the glue there? Technically, sure. Okay, so it's morally and ethically okay. Yeah, but it's, you know, it's an opportunity. And we are afraid that he's going to ask for a bribe to cover this. And so I said to my manager, well, let me take responsibility for whether or not we pass the exam. That's on me, not your responsibility to pass. Uh, do I understand correctly that if the inspector comes into the room and looks around and inspects everything he wants, and then he says, okay, we're, 
we're good. Then we're all morally, ethically legal fine. He says, yeah, if he just signs off, we're good. I said, okay, then I'll take responsibility for whether or not we pass. I'm going to go talk to the owner of the company. And you just receive him, take him through, and then let me know what happens later on. And so I saw him later after the inspector had left. And I said, how'd it go? And he goes, I, I can't believe it. I've never seen anything going like this. I go, well, what happened? He said, well, the inspector walked into the room and he looked up to the ceiling. And then he kind of walked in a square, fairly small square. And then he said, yep, you're good. Signed off on it and, and left. So everything was fine. So I think that was a case where the Lord was just keeping his, uh, he was protecting himself by not letting this become an opportunity for corruption. I think there's many uncalculated values in the identity of us stewarding these businesses rather than owning them. I do think that the Lord actually gets engaged more when everybody is aware that he's protecting his own company rather than protecting ours. What do you mean by that? So what I mean by that is if I'm serving God with my business, that's an available identity that I can have. And it's a very common one. Actually, it's common among the people that we think are more spiritual than others. So it's a great thing to want to serve God with your company. I've come to the conclusion that it's not a good idea for me because it means I've taken over the identity of the owner of the company that I cannot be both a steward and an owner mm. at the same time. I need to choose. Am I owning it or am I stewarding it? They're, they're different. So I like the idea of, I, I choose the identity of a steward. So I allow the Lord to be the owner. Sometimes technically that's not really possible, but at least theoretically it is. Technically, I mean, you can't register. <laughs> I'm, I'm his representative. That's right. But we actually have done some technical documentation that validates this in the U.S. You can find lawyers that will write that for you, but not in, in China. We couldn't do that. But everybody kind of knew it. And so we function that way. And they'll often say to me, the non-believers, they'll go, hey, boss, you need to talk to your friend because we have a problem in shipping or we have a problem in finance. And everybody knows who the friend is. Well, to come, come back um, about you and, and having a fair price and about being very transparent, um, how as a, and we talk here, we have a business as mission podcast, how, uh, how do you handle or think about making profit? It sounds a bit like, well, you know, I want to have a fair profit, but mm -hmm. so can you have a big profit also. I mean, isn't God blessing the company mm -hmm. and wants to bless us also with yeah. a lot of finances? So why not embrace it? Yeah, yeah, that's a very interesting question because I think it's one of the, the reasons that I'm sitting here and want to talk with Bill uh, about uh, what is making profit and what is... Uh, When is it enough? Or should, yeah, well, we, yeah. should we be... I mean, you have different views, of course. You can't have a profit or, you know, being poor is maybe very spiritual. Yeah. <laughs> That's one side. Yeah. And then you have another side yeah. like, man, you know, God is the, you know, the creator of the universe. He wants to bless us <laughs> abundantly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 You know, he, so. Um, yeah, I'm looking for the balance between that and, mm -hmm. and 
Why, why are you driven to, to build a company? Is it the money? Is it the people? And so is what it, is it for you? Yeah, for me, personally, it's, it's the people. It's the, uh, the, the workers, the laborers, the, the, the customers. Uh, uh, it's the whole package of, uh, of what I'm doing. And I want it to be, and that it fits in a kingdom mindset, you know, because we're talking here about the kingdom of God and we want, and a lot of labors for me uh, are thinking in a way of kingdom of God. And I want the kingdom of God to be seen in the world and in my job and in everything. But how does it work with money? I think it's the most, one of the most difficult things, because if I make too much profit, I think, oh, is it too much? But yeah, maybe, but Bill, yeah, we can talk about it. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, we look to Bill. Thirty years so, business. In this is China. yours. <laughs> it's definitely been a journey, and I have found that there's many things that I had to give up in terms of ideas that I had about it, and some things I had to learn, and other things are that it it clarifies and changes as I go deeper into the identity of being a steward. What I mean by that is. If I'm thinking kind of more correctly or deeply as a steward, I cannot be rich. Oh, that's now now we lost some <laughs> listeners. Lost some, yeah. <laughs> now my my master can be rich. Oh. <laughs> and I can have more money to steward, but I cannot have more money to own. Uh, for instance, if I have a hundred thousand dollars and I have a financial investor that I find someone to manage my money for me. And so I give him the hundred thousand dollars and I check in with him a year later and he says, well, we would have had a hundred and twenty thousand dollars for you, but I gave away eighty thousand dollars. And I would say, well, you have no right to give away my money. That's not yours. You're investing it for me, but you don't own it. What are you giving away my money for? Oh, I just thought I would be generous. I don't want you to be generous. <laughs> I want you to be a good manager of my money. I will decide what to do with it. I feel like that's more my position with the Lord. He's entrusted money with me, but I have limited authority. And I should, it, it's not ever mine. It's always his. So actually, it doesn't matter how much you on your uh, name no. is on the bank. Yeah, I won't change. I mean, my wealth will never change. My wealth is actually him. Now, he can give me resources to steward. It looks like it's mine. But the more I act like it is mine, the less I'm thinking like a steward. How does that sound? Even a zucht later. Now, it's, it's kind of, um, can I be honest? Sure. Uh, so, I'm a steward. He's the owner. Yeah. But you're stewarding your money for something or for someone. I'm stewarding his money for him, for his purposes. For his purposes. Yeah. But also the purposes for your life or your families or... Is so it, my relationship... You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, my relationship... How, what is my relationship with my needs? I need security. I need financial security. I need to pay for education for my kids. I need to probably buy a home. All of those things are real. What I have discovered is if I ask him for that and he gives them to me to borrow, I have access to everything I need. And the way I get in touch with that is first kind of checking with my heart. Like for instance, mm -hmm. over 20 years ago, we had a 
a time in the U.S. when it felt like we we're supposed to buy a home. I did not want to do that because it seemed to me like a sign of quitting living in China. And that wasn't what I wanted to do, but it felt like we we're supposed to do it. And so we did it. A few months later, our first granddaughter was born, but she was born almost 16 weeks prematurely. She was in the hospital for six months in intensive care. Because we had a home, my son-in-law and daughter had a place to live for that six months. We were about 15 minutes away from the hospital. If we had no home, that period of time would have been very difficult for them. And so I realized first came the desire, then he provided the money for it. We bought the house, but today I don't consider it actually 100% my house. Mm. I consider it something he's given me to steward. And so I may end up giving it away if he wants me to give it away. So my relationship to the physical world, to things, and I like things, is that I, I search in my heart to see what I would like to have. And then I confirm with him, is this something you're giving me a desire for? And if it is, then I say, okay, then you better pay for it. <laughs> you, need to, you need to supply it to me. Now, I have an airplane. I can fly around the country. Now, what kind of a person has an airplane? Well, usually not me. Yeah, yeah. Usually the they're Netherlands considered. We might need, not need. <laughs> yeah, it's not. It's definitely an option. <laughs> it's definitely an Helicopter option. Helicopter is better. Yeah. yeah. So, in a previous podcast, I mentioned a project of redesigning an entire production line that we did kind of supernaturally in a very quick time. After that project, he spoke to me and he said he liked working together with me on that project. And I thought, oh. I've never heard that before. And he said, I want to give you a present. Do you still want to get your pilot's license? And my first thought was, how do you know? <laughs> oh, you're God. You, you kind of cheat. <laughs> you don't know, say you know everything. And then he gave me an airplane as a kit to build because I, I did want to do that. So I consider now the airplane is his. I'm stewarding it, but I'm enjoying the fool out of it. It gives me kind of the lifestyle of a rich person, but in my identity, I am a steward who has also become a son, who also has become a co-laborer with him, and I'm working on being a co-ruler over his kingdom. So I have a, a progressive identity, but I never want to lose sight of the fact that everything is a gift to me. And there are times when he asked me to give it back, give it away, give it to someone else. Because... I kind of picked up that you also gave a business away. Technically, I passed it off to someone else to steward. Okay. That's so not people considered it my business, but I didn't. Mm. And what he said to me was, Bill, you stewarded this company well for 20-something years. Let's let this other gentleman steward it for a while. Took me about five minutes to kind of understand this. And sure. I didn't sacrifice anything. It never was my company. That was worth millions of dollars, but it wasn't my millions, right? I mean, am I correct on my thinking here? Yes. But it's maybe not a familiar way to think. Not really. No, no. But honestly, it's not that I do not like it, what you said, or, but for me, it's, it's kind of what I've learned is God gave you uh purpose of a uh, possession or gives you uh, 
in a way money and you have to steward this, but you are the owner. You are, you know you what I mean? So it's, yeah. you are responsible. You're responsible. The, yeah. That's that. Yeah. The, I am responsible, but as a steward, not as an owner. And, and I think, I, I do not think my way of perceiving things is to be assumed to be anybody else's way. It's the way I've come to grow into understanding this. And I don't want to make the assumption that other people should think this way. I probably believe they should, but they haven't had my history. I think I come to my conclusions. We all come to our conclusions really through our history with the Lord. Mm -hmm. And so if you'd had my history, maybe you would land on the same conclusions. And I don't think the Lord looks down and says some are right and some are wrong. I think he's, you know, sees us all on a progression toward more and more clarity. And we have probably different responsibilities in the kingdom. And it's helpful to understand things maybe at a deeper level. So talking about your history, we're talking about 30, 45, 50 years of history. <laughs> <laughs> but could you give us one clue? Sure. So I had a bad idea about my relationship with money. And it got changed. I had what was what I would call kind of a spirit of poverty, which really means I thought poverty was good. I thought being rich was bad or dangerous. And so I kind of avoided that. I was somewhat jealous, but I wanted to hide the jealousy and I wanted it to sound more spiritual than that. It's kind of. <laughs> you know what I mean? I identify. <laughs> Just put things really up on the table. Uh, I think nobody recognized this, but it's okay. <laughs> okay. Well, it was just my problem. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's right. But it manifested in a very unhealthy way in my company. And we saw this in the early years when I would design a product and I would calculate the cost. And then I would have a chance to put the profit on it. And I always felt guilty adding profit. For some, one. for some reason, it was just this very uncomfortable feeling like I shouldn't make money off of this or I shouldn't make very much or am I taking money from people that don't have it or just weirdly uncomfortable. And I realized eventually that this is not healthy for the company because if I'm not going to make a profit, the it, profit is like blood to your body. You have to have it in a business to stay alive. If you don't have profit, you're not going to be around. No. Not very long. So it's, it's not a neutral thing. It's actually a positive thing. And some people, because of their relationship with money, can go in a bad direction if they have too much extra, I suppose. But not as a steward. The security in all of that is if I maintain an identity as a steward, I can never actually have too much money. I can't have any money. I can steward money. But if I were to make, quote, a million dollars profit, and now I'm seeing this as, oh, shoot, I've got another million dollars responsibility I got to answer to the Lord for. So I don't run out and spend it. I start asking him, what do you want to do with your money? That kind of thing. So it's a safeguard. But in this one time, one season, I had a, a request to sell a, an entire production line. We had seven patents on it, I guess. And it was um, a production line that was the only one in the world. And the U.S. market was really wanting the product. And we had a Chinese customer who wanted to buy it. And I dreaded the interaction because I knew it, what it was going to involve. They were going to invite me to this huge boardroom to negotiate. 
And there would be a table like 20 meters long. And all you wanted to do was give it away. <laughs> That's right. I just thought, oh, you're so crazy. Yeah. <laughs> it was very uncomfortable for me. I usually would use one of my staff members to do negotiations who didn't have my particular problem you know, with, with money, didn't feel guilty about it or had wisdom associated with it, but nobody was available. And so sure enough, the request comes to go to this other city in, in up in the central part of China, big city. And so you put on your suit and oh, your Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and it's just like I pictured it, big five-star hotel. So I flew up there Friday night. It's going to be nine o'clock Saturday morning. And I, I honestly, I'm just dreading it. So in my mind, to give you a, a context, I'm thinking, how much could I ask for this thing? And I thought about $100,000 because... For $100,000, they could just hire all the workers and just steal it. Just take pictures of the machines, make the machines themselves. They didn't need to pay more than that. And I was really, you know, fearful of going $150,000. I thought that would push them over the edge. And I mean, if I were them and if I were aggressive, I would just go for the cheap way. It would just be effective, efficient with their money, right? So the day comes. I go there, fly up on Friday night at 5 in the morning. The Lord wakes me up. I had been reading a book that said one of the ways God communicates is with pictures. So if you get a picture of something, just play with it and see if maybe God's trying to tell you something. Well, this was a day in my life as a kid, 13, 14 years old. I could see it. I remember the day. It was a Saturday morning. There was about, oh, 12, well, let's see, centimeters. <laughs> it's like about a third, about 300 millimeters of snow on the ground. It was an elementary school playground. And there's footsteps in the snow and a line just to the right of the footsteps. It was the day I was trying to go or did go to my accordion lesson. And I couldn't lift the accordion case out of the snow. So I'm, I'm off on there Saturday mornings, nine o'clock to my lessons. But the impact of getting those lessons was that I was the only one of seven kids that got $5 a month for music lessons. We, we were not wealthy. It was a government job and we had seven kids in a two bedroom home. And so I'm going to my music lessons and I never got good at the accordion. And so there was this shame that came with being a failure at learning how to play, wasting the resources of the family. The $5. The $5. Mm -hmm. Like I just, I can't be trusted with money. It, I was ashamed. So that became part of my identity. And I realized, you know, later on from this image, that really had had an impact on me. So you, you mean you might be ashamed to ask now for money? Yes. Or that it's interested to you and I'll you waste it? I'll, I'll mess, yeah, I'll, waste, I'll clean up my language and I'll waste it again. <laughs> yeah, I, God can't trust me with money. Because I'm an untrustworthy person. That happened once and I proved I was untrustworthy. I can't be trusted with it. So that's me. That's my identity. That had burrowed its way into my heart somehow and made an imprint on me. So when I had a chance to make profit on my products, I felt I don't deserve that. That all comes back. So what you learn to do is say, okay, I am now seeing that I had made an agreement with this identity. I had agreed with it that I am an untrustworthy person. 
I'm going to break my agreement with that. And I'm going to ask the Lord, can you give me a new identity, a new chapter, a new awareness of who I actually am? And I felt like the Lord said, well, sure. You have a new father. If you stay close to your new father, you won't have a problem. You'll know just what to do. The two of you can work all of this out. You can be trusted with money. I just thought, wow, that feels really different. Now, this is all happening at like 5, 5.30 in the morning. At 7, I hear the Lord, and he says, try for $1.5 million. Instead of 100000 And I laugh out loud. And, and I realize I love this point so much in, in our journey that when he asked me to do something that's so outlandish, that if it fails, it is 100% his responsibility. It feels so free. <laughs> and so I get that at seven. I'm, I'm kind of processing it. I think, oh, this is unbelievable that I would never have thought of that. I go to the meeting at nine o'clock. It's just as I imagined it would be. There's four or five of them on one side, all in suits. And I have a kind of a sport coat, single me on the other side. 20 meter long, big table, huge room, you know, it's there. It's designed for them to be impressive. And they were, <laughs> and I'm just little me on the you other side. The <laughs> yeah. And I, I was scared to death. I would have basically given it away. I think if they asked now, I don't want to dishonor anyone and say I took advantage. I didn't, I don't think I took advantage of them, but I was just following what the Lord was teaching me. And so they said, uh, good morning, Mr. Joe. I said, good, good morning, gentlemen. And they said, Mr. Joe, we would like to buy your technology, your production line. Yes, I understand. How much do you want for it? And I thought, well, I need $1.8 million. And they go, Mr. Joe, that's a lot of money. And I immediately responded with a lot of confidence. Well, yes, it is, but it's the only product like it in the world. We're the only production facility that can make it. The American market is crying out for it. It's worth every penny. And I almost turned around to see who walked into the room. <laughs> it's totally different. A totally different than what I would have said four hours earlier. And I think what happened was my, my identity became more solid, more correct. I began to shed false assumptions of who I was and how I was to operate, which felt spiritual. But they really weren't with the reality of this. And we use that money to eliminate debt that had accumulated earlier to actually build that production line. And so I began to realize that actually I didn't increase one penny of my own value, but I increased money I was to steward. So it really went to the company anyway, it didn't go to me, but I began to just really enjoy this whole process. Of so now you, we better don't negotiate with you, Bill. You hopefully any negotiation with me will actually be a negotiation with my friend. <laughs> <laughs> that makes it even harder. <laughs> yeah. Does, it, does that make sense? Uh, it makes for me sense that God is, it's not about the numbers. Mm -hmm. It has nothing to do with what for God is valuable. No, you are valuable. It's not about the company, it's about you in this time. And, and it, the, the company profits or benefits mm -hmm. eh, with this action, 
But it's not about, oh, the company is benefits because God is, on, is learning you a lesson. Right. And shaping you. So for me, it's, oh, Ronald, what is God telling you about your awkwardness with profit and with money? You know so what I mean? So it makes you think. <laughs> it yeah, makes me it's, think. It's make me think too. What? What is, what is my goal about it? You know, uh, Bill is only saying, I'm a steward. I'm not the owner. My head goes, hmm, okay, but I'm the owner. Now, if you want a kingdom business, then it's all for the king. Then, then it, it makes really sense that you say, my company, so also the money also is for the king. Yeah. And you're a steward. Let me offer one other comment on this relationship with the owner, between the owner and the steward. It's a very close relationship, meaning it's not like the story of the, of the master giving the talents and the minas and then leaving. In this case, the master doesn't leave. He says, here, I'm giving this company to you. I want you to steward it for me. And, and I'll be in at nine in the morning just when you check into work. We'll, we'll yeah. do work together. Mm -hmm. So he's always there. He's always kind of at your shoulder. And so I don't think I have responsibility. I don't have authority to set pricing or to set profit levels on my own since he's at my shoulder. It's just so easy to say, well, sir, what would you like the profit to be? <laughs> mm -hmm. What do you have any thoughts? Do you have any comments? And sometimes they'll say, it's okay. You pick. doesn't really matter. And sometimes they'll say, oh, for this person, I'm really working in their life or it's a brand new company. I want you to give them a special deal, but, but they're late on their payment, Lord. It's okay. Mm. I've got it covered. You've been late on yours too. <laughs> you know? yeah. I realize he's just showing people grace that he showed me. Yeah. And now he wants to use what he considers his company under my stewardship as a vessel to be a blessing in certain cases. But in other cases, we've made really good profit. But it hasn't become dangerous because I didn't possess it. Can I ask a question? Because I think a lot of uh, entrepreneurs are looking for a pattern. Is there a pattern, a kind of pattern for how God, as owner... Uh, Can entrust more. Yeah. Yeah. Just so uh, the theology of the 10%, for example. If you give your 10%, then God will fill your house. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, on everything, there is building a, a kind of theology or theory. or uh, and, and when I heard you... There's not kind of theory. Oh, if you do it like this, then it becomes like that. Uh, but it's kind of, it's all about relationship. Or am I, am I wrong? And is there a pattern to find in the way the owner and the steward? You're laughing. I'm, I'm laughing. <laughs> I need to. You know, a lot of I entrepreneurs need to are, are oh, searching yes, for yes, this. Yes, yes, yes. We have been called, oh, you're a model. Your company is a model of how to do this. I would not like that to be called a model. And here's the reason why. I think that the only thing we would like for people to model is the basic concept. It's just about walking with God. And so everyone, when they walk with God, can have a different flavor to it. We don't want people to try to walk with God the way Bill Job does. We would like for people to be motivated, encouraged to walk with God the way they should do that. And it can look different in every situation. The common factor, the common denominator is the presence of Jesus. 
The closer we get to him, the better we're going to do. Everything else is kind of variable. And I think one of the reasons is we come at it with different histories, different wounds, different awareness of truth and lies that we're believing. And his He's so compassionate and understanding with each one of us that he, he's not going to put us on a trajectory that's unnecessarily hard or painful because maybe somebody had woundedness in one area and, and, they, and I didn't. And if they try to walk my path, they're going to find, hey, it's, it doesn't feel the same. So his love is absolutely marvelous and perfectly tuned to each individual. So my advice is... Don't try to copy anyone else other than the basic concept of it's just about him. Just walk with him, bring him as close as you can at whatever pace is comfortable of change into your life, into your work, into your family, into your ministry. That's the same story, but it looks different every time it unfolds. It looks different every year that it unfolds in my life. This is a very interesting talk. We can keep on listening and discussing and it raises you know i look at ronald and he's like "Hmm, i have to think about this so it raises a lot of questions but we are developing an online learning environment so go to bemmoves.com if you want to know more and at least explore you know the lessons built learned and like you said you know in your own way in your own personality in your context, with your project, uh, project or product. So thank you. Thank you for um, this time together, Bill. Ronald, thank you for coming, coming here and discussing with us ideas, how to do business and to how to see God glorified and how to spread his kingdom. In this podcast, together with our guest, Ronald De Bruyne, we had an interesting exchange about money. As business owner with a desire to follow the Lord, how are we to deal with profit, money, riches? Bill shared some of his experiences, but keeps emphasizing that we should ask the owner of the business and that there is no one-size-fits-all approach or even a certain method, except the method of building a relationship with the owner, our master, the creator of the universe. If this podcast about Kingdom Keys for Business sparkles your interest, please go to bemmoves.com. There you'll find a hybrid online learning platform, which we are developing.